Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Paper Cuts. Today's episode is called Dick Grayson is Hannah Montana. Enjoy. To this, the Paper Cuts podcast. And I didn't even fuck up the title this time. That's right. Yeah. Cotton I do past. really like that song, by the way. I'm that glad, is a nice song. Glad you, I'm, pretty, yeah. I'm glad you do. Yes, we're back. Uh, and, and I'm back. Even though I said I wasn't going to come back and, and, and host anymore, here I am again for another back. week hosting. Uh, and this time with a, a, a proper crew, which I think is probably going to be a, a crew going forward. Uh, with me tonight is Mr. Dean DeFalco. Oh, hi. Uh, Mr. Dan Ryan. Good evening. And our newest member, Mr. Evan Goldstein. Ahoy, hoy. How's everybody doing today? Very well, thank you. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm so happy. I'm, I'm elated. Elated? Yeah. Wow. Spell that quick. E-L-A-T-E-D. I, elated. All right, you said it. You said it confidently enough. I have to believe you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not actually going to check to make sure you were right, but yeah. <laughs> we're just going to go with it. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna we're gonna start off by just going a quick round around the room and uh, what we've been reading and a few recent books or non recent books that we want to talk about, and then we're going to move on to our feature discussion, and then we're going to call it a night because that's what it is. So let's uh, let's start off with uh, with with our newest member, Evan. What uh, what you been reading? Oh, ahoy. Um, well, actually, I wanted to talk about uh, Serenity. Leaves on Leaves on the Wind. I think is the secondary title for it. Yes, Leaves it's, on the Wind. It's it's uh, it's up to six issues, um, and I mean it's fantastic. It leaves off right where the movie left off. So all those questions that you had at the credit sequence. They're getting slowly answered, and there's, um, you know, a new set of resistance, and they feel that Mal is this Jesus-like character, and they have to find him. And, I mean, all hell breaks loose because, you know, some of the returning characters, not only from the movie, but also from the Firefly, you know, television show, right? I mean, Jubal Early showed up for a little bit. I mean, got his ass handed to him, but he did show up. Um <laughs> And, you know, like like one of the best characters out of the movie was, I don't even know if they actually said his name, and I'm pretty sure they didn't say it in the movie, nor did they say it in the book, is the operative. You know, that dark-skinned fellow that swung a sword really well? Yeah, the guy from uh, Love Actually. Yes, the guy from Love Actually. <laughs> uh, uh, Rick Grimes' is best friend in Love Actually. <laughs> you know, not he, not is that what it says in the credits? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. That movie is so good, by the way. Yeah, Just it really the, is. It, it's really phenomenal. Dude, anyway, Karen Knightley. Anyway, go on. Uh, yeah. Anywho, um, <laughs> in the movie, they're they're, they're, <laughs> they're showing uh, the the they're continuing the storyline because it is so full. They have so many places that they can go. I mean, yes, we've lost a couple of characters like you know Book and, and Wash, but now you know Mal and Inara are together. Like everybody wanted that little romance is budding and and uh, Zoe had a baby. 
not 100% sure at what point in time they were doing it, you know, being attacked by all of those Weaver-like characters, but she's got a kid now. Um, and at one point in time in the storyline, she gets captured. Well, she doesn't get captured. She's given birth. She doesn't do well. She's got internal bleeding. She's got to go to the hospital. They have to take her to an Alliance Medical Center, and they fix her up and then send her off to a prison planet. Shit happens. They save her. But in the process of saving her, they find this, this I'll, I'll call it a lab, that is actually making more rivers. Um, and they attempt to break out these young girls, and it comes... I mean, they, they, it comes to the realization that River wasn't done. Like, she wasn't fully percolated when, they, when she escaped or when she was rescued. And they, they saved this one girl who is, is, seems to be complete, where she's kicking everybody's ass left and right and, and just wiping the floor with everybody. And then, you know, they drug her. She gets knocked out. They, for some reason, take her back on the ship. And they try to help her, and they, they, they show that she could have a life outside of the Alliance control and give her clothes, and she's bold, so they give her a wig and try to make her one of the family. And at the same time, right after Jubal gets his ass kicked and thrown off the ship, he gets picked up by the Alliance. Something's going to happen with him, and going forward, um, they, they, they do whatever they needed to do with, with the operative, and they say, after saving Zoe, there's this confrontation between Zoe and the operative, and it's like a, you know, an old-fashioned you know, duel where they're standing 20 yards apart from each other with guns, and that's it. You don't see it. But the next panel is Zoe standing there with, with Mal, so we can only assume that the badass Zoe is, has won the day, and, and they go off you know, to... to to, to fight the, with the new resistance and, and start up against the Alliance again. Um, and it's, it's a fantastic book. The story is, is like seamless, but there was what this, the, the interior art for me is not the greatest, but the covers are stunning. Oh yeah. The covers, especially the a covers. Cause the, the B covers are a little wacky. They kind of remind me of some of the more recent, like Buffy or angel, B cover right. kind of things, but the A right. covers are gorgeous. I mean, like framing gorgeous, but the if you like Firefly, if you love you some Serenity, it's a fantastic book. Um, there was this one, I mean, it must have been four or five panels tops, where they finally save Zoe, and they're getting her back to the ship, and Zoe's been away from her child for the entire length of three or four issues and just the way the art was done, you feel how, how scared she was that she's never going to see her kid again. And when she finally gets back on the ship and she's reunited, like every, like there's like a a sigh of relief that everything is going to be okay. And I mean, it's, it's really, really well done. Um, It does have, you know, the Whedon name on the cover. Unfortunately, it's the, the first name that, Gives me a little <laughs> note it's of worry. Attack. <laughs> it's the Zack <laughs> attack. Um, but if they if they keep going on this path, it's going to be a really, really, really great book, and it's going to be able to fill that hole that we all miss. You know, I think losing it's over. the show. I think it was just a six issue mini. Oh, don't tell me that. 
I'm, Don't tell so, me I'm that. sorry. I think it was. I think this was the last issue. Um, they're they're going to have to do it because they let, it, But uh, and and also this this does take place after because all the things that you're telling me about. Because I I haven't read this yet. I'm waiting for the the hardcover to come out because I have all the other Serenity stuff in hardcover. And right. it sounds like this takes place after the uh, Better Days and other stories. From my recollection, that was that a um, a linear story. Uh, some of it was, uh, like it was mostly if I, it's been a while since I've read it, but I feel like the bulk of that book was, um, the wash story arc that was written by Patton Oswalt. And okay. um, that ended by showing, uh, that Zoe was pregnant and that detailed, I feel like it detailed, um, like some of their, uh, there was like a story in there called downtime and that showed, uh, you know, Z- uh, Zoe and wash with their time together. And I think that's where the kid came from uh it was from their downtime <laughs> but yeah it sounds like this picks up directly af- out of that which which uh, is that, that stuff was all great There's, the 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 book book as i call it the, oh the, shepherd's the, tale oh my god that was phenomenal oh, oh, oh yeah but, but one of the great things about this six issue series if that's what it is well number one I, i'm gonna possibly disagree with you because the way they left it at the very end which i'm you know i'm not gonna ruin it completely it leaves it very much open or not not only open like this is what's coming type of thing so here's hoping that if it's only a six that they'll pick it up and, and do another mini series or they'll just continue it but the the thing there there for lack of a better term there are easter eggs throughout the whole series or throughout the whole six issues for those that have watched firefly like at one point in time there's this there there's a big fight and Mal says, I need you to fix this to make it so that this thing, so that I can call the troops in with when necessary. And this yeah, thing, everything. it's like issue three. It's, it's the, the, the thing is the button from out of gas. Oh, that's awesome. See, it's it, very minor to the story, <laughs> but I know that. I go, oh my God, that's one of my favorite episodes, blah, blah, blah. It, it attaches me more to the book, and I think they did a really, really good job with that. that See, now that awesome. that's enough to get me to want to read it because I I don't know I have I have this weird relationship with with Joss Whedon. Um, he doesn't call anymore, <laughs> which fucking I, sucks. Oh, okay, because I was gonna be like, did did you guys have a rough relationship? Just I'm, we did. I'm we did. It was it was a tough breakup. He's a real good cuddler though, um, which is. <laughs> Not not everybody knows that about Josh. Is, is is he the big spoon or the little spoon? No, he's he's <laughs> totally the big spoon. Gotcha. Of course, I, he, he wouldn't have it any other way. Um, <laughs> but like I I am not a Buffy fan, even a little bit. Um, which I know is sacrilege in in kind of our our, our circles that someone doesn't like Buffy. But I just never got into the show. Never really got into Dollhouse, um, and I did not watch. Firefly or see the movie for years. Okay. I mean, it, it, I didn't even caveat at the end. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't even a little addendum. I saw it the first time I saw it, my wife and I sat down and we were like, eh, well, fucking everybody talks about this Firefly shit. It's on Netflix. All right, fine. Let's, let's watch it. And I almost didn't make it through the intro. Cause that song is Ugh. so bad. Ugh, oh my God. It's terrible. Song. It is, it is the worst CW Network Saturday afternoon programming 
intro that I've ever I, like. I almost shut it off. You mean the best? Hey man, you take that back. Briscoe County Junior fits in that category, <laughs> and that's such a good theme song. They used it in the fucking Olympics. Okay, well, Briscoe <laughs> County Junior is obviously the outlier in this situation. Um, you know, but I'm I'm glad that we stuck with it. It was it was an awesome, awesome, awesome show. But I, I always felt kind of weird about jumping into the comics too, because without Joss being attached to it, I mean that's you know when you have a guy that has such a singular vision for the projects that he does to then have somebody else handle it i don't know like it just kind of made me leery of it well he doesn't oversee it he is like he's always credited with like an executive producer role whatever the fuck that means for a comic book but he oversees this stuff to make sure that it doesn't break his vision you know like he's not writing it but he's got his fingers on it this is the way i look at it it it, it's the voice of of joss like you can hear it but it's been six issues and we haven't lost a main character yet (laughs) everybody is still alive and that's what i I, i'm hoping zach changes that doesn't let me get too attached to any one particular person to just pull them out from me just this once rose Everybody lives. <laughs> Everybody lives. As uh, as a quick aside, too, without getting too much into spoiler territory, because I have tried to avoid this myself, um, with Guardians of the Galaxy coming out relatively soon, my thought has been this whole time that the coolest cameo for Nathan Fillion to play would be Captain Mal to just show up in I, in the bar. Like I had the just, same conversation or like him in a jail cell or something like yeah, next to just, Star-Lord just chilling there as Captain Mal. You don't even have to call him my names. You don't have yep. to mess with any rights don't or anything. Just anything, have him just... sitting there in the outfit. <laughs> we all know he still owns the outfit. So it's it – We saw him wear honest. it on Castle. We know he owns the outfit. <laughs> that would be the best. I mean I know there, there – like I said, I know that there are spoilers out there of who he is supposed to be and I have avoided them like the plague because I don't – I don't like having that sort of thing spoiled for me. I've only um, seen spoilers on who he's not. I haven't seen anybody say who he's supposed to be, but I'm also... See, I, so I haven't even looked at that. He's not a panda. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Shit, good. Dean. Dude. Oh, if he, oh, okay. I'm sorry, if another he, spoiler. If he pops out <laughs> in an end credit sequence in a panda bear costume... <laughs> And he makes like that stupid panda bear joke of like the eats eats shoots and leaves, you know, because like they eat bamboo shoots. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm gonna be so mad at you. I, I'm. I, I would be giddy. I just might have doomed us all. Oh, you guys be, didn't know Nathan uh, Fillion is a hardcore listener of Paper Cuts, even though we've only been on for two episodes. Hardcore. <laughs> Well, Evan, you got a that's uh, you got anything else to to discuss this week besides uh, the Serenity books? You know what? I'm gonna just give a little props to some Moon Knight action. Um, it's I have been a diehard Moon Knight fan for a very long time. This series so far is living up to my expectations, which are unfortunately for me very very high. Um, it seems that that. Um, you know Warren Ellis and 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 group have have taken you know five issues and done independent stories and each one of those little one shots has been the perfect new moon night for me and 
yes, I think I get one more issue, they say, if I'm not mistaken, with Warren. And after that, it's, it's a new regime. Um, if they keep going with the, you know, whether it be the new costumes or the new outfits or the new toys that he has, and if whatever they have set in front of me for these first five issues, I'm exceedingly happy with. And I, I, I just hope, hope for more, more than, you know, 12 issues of just some guy going, I'm crazy, I'm crazy, I'm crazy, which has been the get for, for Moon Knight for, unfortunately, quite a while. Um, they've sort of, you know, maybe one or two issues, they touched upon his insanity, his, what do they call it, uh, disassociative identity disorder, where he's not, apparently. He's just, he's got damage to the head. Who knows what the hell's wrong with this guy? But the fact of the matter is, is that they have set the stage for a series that can continue well past 12. I mean, 30, 60, 100, you know, as long as they can keep this, this wheel a turning, it's going to be fine. And anybody who has read a Moon Knight book in the past and enjoyed it would do themselves an injustice by not looking at this book. They, 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 the, the take that they're taking, the, the, the path that they're taking with this character is, is amazing because it's something that we, I, I, no joke, 98% of every appearance of Moon Knight, I've never seen it and I wouldn't have expected it. So it's, it's a really, really nice change. And, and I mean, it's, I, in my opinion, it looks great. It took me maybe one or two issues to get into the art style, but once I figured out what was bothering me, it just, it's perfect for him and just hoping for more. So the art's what's been keeping me away from it, to be honest with you. Besides, just that I don't, I don't need another comic book in my life. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and 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 to be honest with you, when you know, no matter what, if Moon Knight shows on the cover or shows up in the panel somewhere, I'm buying it. When I opened up the book, it was it was jarring, and it was just, it was the lack of color because it's Moon Knight. Moon Knight, we all know, is white, white and black, maybe a little gray. But it's, there's no color on the page. It's just a lack of color. So it's actually the white of the page, and that's jarring. We don't ever, ever see that because artists always put color all over the page. And when you're looking at an image that the entire background or the, 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 the foreground is in color because it's a car or it's a building or whatnot, and then there's just – it looks like the page has been cut out where the character is. It's jarring. And I had – you know, I – once I got that in my head and I was able to wrap my mind around that, I was able to look past it and say, you know, damn, that Frankenstein-looking monster in the, the first issue was really well done. Look at how quickly, like, like how he's... I mean, the last issue, it, I, I don't know if anybody else read it, but what was that video game where it was the karate fighter and he, it was a side scroll and you go from right to left up a flight of stairs? Okay, it was an it was an issue of kung fu because the motherfucker is working his way up a six story building, just kicking the evil living shit out of people. <laughs> Does he fight Mister X to save Sylvia? <laughs> no, that was the only thing it was missing. Well, I said, get back to my, my the, what was turning me off about the art. What you're saying about the lack of color that's just on Mark Spector, though, right? Like, I'm looking at the book and I'm seeing every panel that Spector appears in. He is like a sketch, and everything else around him looks like a comic book. Right, or like not even like like full color. It's it's definitely got some darker colors in it. 
but the fact that he was a sketch just kind of, I don't it's, know, it really just pulled me out of it. And, and it, like, it was and really weird. It's jarring because, I mean, it's just black on paper. Like a lot of times, even even a white image will be eggshell. Right, there's just yeah, white yeah. color over them. It's just the, the paper color, right? I got you. And, and it's, yeah, I'm not, no denying it. I'm not, gonna, I'm not arguing about it. It's jarring. And I guess it's because of my love for the character that I was able to look past that because, yeah, I'll agree. If I don't like the art, I probably won't read the book, no matter how good of a writer the writer is. But I was able to fight through that one and say, well, look at everything else around, take out the story, and it's it's worth it, in my humble, humble opinion. That, that, that uh, seems like a sort of gimmicky point to do uh with with the book with the, the whole i i guess i you'd call that an art style or direction mm-hmm. uh but I, I i could see how maybe some people could see that as interesting and also pick up the book like i'm kind of just interested for what you're saying uh just to see it and i might pick up an issue just to take a look well the the, the colorist that's on the moon knight book and he's staying with warren when warren ellis and uh i i think it's pronounced declan shalvey i think Declan. De- is it? It's Declan. Okay. If I'm Declan, not mistaken, Shelby. Declan. Yeah. Um, but Ellis and Shalvey, they're both they're leaving after issue six. But the colorist on that book is Jordi Belair, and Jordi Belair, I think for me anyway, is probably my favorite colorist working in comics today. And and I get what you're saying, Dean, where it could be seen as a gimmick, but with Jordi Belair, the shit he does is absolutely on purpose. He is one of the one of the colorists that really adds to a story. Like his work on the Manhattan projects from Image is insane how much it adds to that yeah, book. Yeah, I've read to th- that book and it's it's interesting. I I think I'm just going to pick it up just to see what it looks like because that that it, while it might be a turn off to some, it kind of seems a little cool to me. So I kind of want to see just how it looks. And I mean, if the story is awesome, like you guys say, that's just even a bigger bonus. The, the, well, the, uh, yeah, the, sorry. The, the kicker with this theory of or this version of Moon Knight, as opposed to everybody compares Moon Knight to Batman. Batman likes to hide. Batman will jump out of the shadows. Moon Knight, this five issues is look at me. Here I come. I'm going to kick your ass. There's no hiding. So every time you turn the page and he's on there, your eye immediately goes to him. And if that's a gimmick, it's working because that's his character now. Like he's not hiding anymore. He's he, he rocks out on the street in a stark white suit, talks to cops. He hangs out with people. I mean, there's no there's no hiding anymore, which is great because he can pull it off. That character you know, Mark Spector, Moon Knight, whatever you want to call him, he's can pull it off because he has that line. He, well, he doesn't have that line he won't cross. Now, I've never really read anything Moon Knight before, but um, you've definitely sparked some interest with me in the character because I do like his design. I just don't know a ton about him. But I will say that what, the, what you're saying has been carrying over to Original Sin, too, because he's been a, a, a fairly prominent character in the whole Original Sin thing, and he's not... He's not hiding. He's just kind of being awesome the whole time. So, <laughs> no, I, uh, definitely sounds like a book that's uh, that's worth reading. But um, Moon Knight's so, a thanks. really yeah. He's just he's such a cool character, and he's so often you know, like Evan said, he's so often of just like well, well, this is Marvel's Batman, 
and he's not like he it, the characters could not be any more different. I mean, Marvel's Batman, if you have to make the argument, is Iron Man. That's that's Marvel's Batman. But the the Moon Knight character is when he's done as this interesting kind of collection of personalities living inside Mark Spector's head. It, it's a it's a fascinating book and, and it's it's only been really well done a few times. And this Ellis book is one of those times that's really just, he's just nailing it. I fully, fully agree. He's doing a fantastic job. I just hope that it continues, that it it's the bar is set so high now because it's Warren Ellis. I mean, those are humongous shoes to fill. So, you know, who knows? I guess, I mean, Marvel seems to be, you know, they've been tackling a bunch of their tertiary characters as, you know, who knows? I mean, look, there's a freaking Guardians of the Galaxy movie coming out. Who saw that coming? So, but uh, we should move on. Uh, Dan, what have you been reading? Well, I've got I've got three books this week. I was actually able to grab a couple new things that came out today. And uh, the first one that I wanted to hit on was Spider-Man 2099, which is a character that, I really liked I, I the time period when I grew up when I was a an early teenager was really at the the height of the gimmicky crazy comic book industry like before the bubble burst just the crazy foil embossed covers and 3D holograms and chromium and all that <laughs> shit there there's a superman book that has fucking color forms on it and like it's just, it was just so weird so when Marvel did their 2099 series, it was like the Punisher 2099 book and Doom 2099, and they had like a circuitry around the covers, like a frame around the cover image. And I, I, I bought it hook, line, and sinker because <laughs> I was a kid, and how could I not? These were going to be worth, you know, millions of dollars one day. <laughs> but the, the the character that I that I kind of gravitated towards was Spider-Man 2099. I thought he was just a really cool character. I thought the art was really cool. It's one of the things I've always really appreciated about Marvel is that they don't, like like what I'll mention in the Grayson review that I have here in a minute, DC has a very particular style that their books look like DC books. And Marvel has never really been that way. They They've always been, I think, more willing to take take a chance and these 2099 books looked a little weird and this one that came out today is written by Peter David who is just the dude is I mean he's he's legendary right he's been in the industry for fucking longer than I've been alive I think you know and the guy is just he's just gold and this book really kind of captures the 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 story of this Spider-Man 2099 being stuck in the present day. You know, if if you guys haven't read the Superior Spider-Man run that Dan Slott did, in that arc, Miguel O'Hara ends up coming back from 2099 and getting stuck here in in the current, you know, 2014 universe at the start of Alchemex, which becomes this big evil corporation in the future. So he's here to stop to to try and steer it in a better direction, right? He ends up getting stuck here. So now we have Spider-Man 29, 2099 out of time. We got to tell these stories. 
Can so, I ask you a quick question? Yeah, yeah. You made, you made comment about the the Superior Spider-Man, and now, if I'm not mistaken, you showed up in in the Amazing as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, he did. When when he whenever he showed up, it felt like they kept using him as a a crutch. I mean, I can't yeah. think of another word to say because don't get me wrong, I love me some Spider-Man, and yeah, I'll look past you know Doc Ock in the in the costume, but <laughs> the the it felt it felt forced. Like there was the, the whole little thing that happened with the time travel and these orbs of time space continuum deteriorating and whatnot, and it felt like they shoved him into that book because he didn't really do anything else. Now, wasn't that I, I, I forget? Was that part of the whole Age of Ultron thing? Like the same way we got we we got Angela. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, every book in the Marvel universe was being touched upon with that that time fluctuation. Yeah, shift. and that's that's what happened with the twenty ninety nine kind of sorta. If I'm, I feel like there was a mishap in uh, what is it, Parker Industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where they were they were they were doing something with time travel. Yeah. And well, the guy, the, yeah, the guy who ends up starting Alchemex is Tiberius Stone, who was one of the co-workers at um, at a uh, the oh God, what the fuck is the name of the place where Peter was working before Parker Industries? Yes, Max Modell's thing. I can't yeah. remember the name of it. Oh my goodness! But Modell's anyway, he, yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> so he was. Uh, he Tiberius was one of the workers there, and I th- I I didn't read the Age of Ultron stuff um but good from, it was freaking pointless <laughs> <laughs> that that was really what it seemed to be like it really seemed like a book that should have come out a few years you know before like when it was supposed to so i figured fuck it i'll just skip it right. um but yeah but like, it did have that thing at the end where all right so basically age of ultron i could sum it up in like two minutes right age of ultron ultron wins <laughs> future goes nuts Wolverine travels back in time with Sue Storm for some reason to kill the young Hank Pym, kills him, realizes that you can't change the future, goes back in time, kills himself so that he doesn't kill Hank Pym. Time breaks because you can't freaking travel through time all the time. And then Angela, Angela shows up, a bunch of other shit goes wacky, and that's the end of the book. Well, credits. Yeah, right on. Credits. I'm, I'm all but, for it. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with what Evan was saying. And if it wasn't so damn charming, uh, then and then it would have bothered me more. But yeah, the the fact that he was shoehorned in there, uh, it, it did feel like he was being shoehorned in there because there was a huge. Oh, what a few years ago, Spider Man 2099 shows up in a video game, which is the first appearance of this character in a long time. It, it's crazy popular. That character people start asking for him. So Dan Slott's like, oh, you better watch the future because something's going to happen with Spider-Man 2099. So obviously they had this plan. We're going to relaunch Spider-Man 2099. What do we want to do with it? Oh, why don't we bring him into our time and that will be the new storyline, blah, blah, blah. So they obviously had this plan to make a Spider-Man 2099 book and then they just kind of shoved him into Superior Spider-Man to kind of sort of lay the groundwork so that they can do what they're doing. But I, Dan, I also read twenty nine nine number one, and I thought it was pretty darn good too. I mean, I, yeah, it, I I really liked it. I mean, there there were a few a few times where I legitimately laughed out loud at the the villain who we don't even get his name. He's just like a bounty hunter from the future. Uh, you know, he had a couple funny lines in there, and oh man, how he gets rid of him too was 
pretty pretty classy. <laughs> yeah, it was it was awesome. I mean, cause, like I said, Peter David dude is is legendary, and he he's just a solid solid writer, you know. And, and it was just it's a really fun book. I don't know that the book has has legs. Like I don't I don't know that you're ah, gonna see spiders legs. <laughs> <Get it>? ah. <laughs> Fucking clever. Um, I don't I, I don't know that you're gonna see. 50 issues out of this Spider-Man 2099 book. I'll, I'll honestly, I'll be surprised if they get to 24 issues, but I don't necessarily because it's a finite story because the story is I'm stuck here in the past. I need to get back to the future. Um, that that's a finite story. I can tell that story over 36 issues, or I could tell that story over 14 issues. You know, I knowing that there's that definitive end, there's something that they can work towards. So I think it'll be a decent book. Um, you know, it, I think it's definitely worth picking up. The art was pretty nice in it. There were a couple times reading through the art, and Chris, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's, there seems to be the, this current trend with artists being completely digital in their creation of their panels where sometimes it looks like color forms. It, you know, like the, the, the apartment scene in particular Miguel O'Hara looks like he is just pasted on top of a background as opposed to being in the background, you know, in the scene. So that kind of bothered me. But, you know, a minor quibble. The rest of the book, I think, looked really good. With with the coming with this book coming out, did you by any chance take a peek back into uh, the, the 90s version? No, I, I, I should have. I don't even know, honestly, where if I even still have those issues. <laughs> the I, I remember because I have a closet full of 90s books. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, I've always been a, a Spider-Man fan. So I, I was organizing at one point in time and I came across and I'm like, wow, I love this series when it was out. And then I just pushed it away. And then I then um, what was the other? There was another spider book out. Uh, the Dude in Texas. Um, oh, uh, Scarlet Spider. Scarlet Spider. Yeah. Scarlet Spider. And I started reading that and I enjoyed that. And then that ended. And I'm like, oh, I mean, they're going to bring out another Spider book. They have to bring out a Spider book. Right. And in you my can't heart, have just one. I wanted a 2099 Spider Man book. And then he, they, they started shoehorning him into this storyline. And I'm like, I hope, I hope that they let him get back to his time frame. And go from there. Not the the man out of time only lasts, like you said, so long because he has All to get back to time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. That's a that's a topic. That's a whole other oh, topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I and I think that would be really awesome if they if they could take this book and build a, a solid enough foundation to then push it to um to push it to uh, to, to the future. And do a book where it just exists in the future. I think that would be really cool. But I um, don't need to build a whole universe around it because that's the last thing I want in this. Th- and knowing Marvel, they're already like chomping at the bit to do this to relaunch the twenty nine nine universe because their Ultimate Universe relaunch went so well. But uh, I I hope that they just do Spider Man. I don't need the whole a whole new line of 2099 books. I, I just don't need it. But the, the I would 20, be totally cool with 2099 the, Spider-Man continuing. The 2099 run back in the 90s, there wasn't much to reboot. There, there's not much to bring back. I mean, the lizard-like Hulk, the Punisher that I, was the Punisher. I mean, there was a guy named Ravage. 
There's not. <laughs> like this, there's Wild not much Rabbit there. Was so ter- there was a Ghost Rider. Yes, and Doom. Yeah. Doom got his own book. <laughs> the so, Doom book, which was written by Warren Ellis. So. That's, <laughs> all right, we all make mistakes, okay? <laughs> um. Well, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, Spider-Man 2099 gets the recommendation. What gets else is the recommendation, Dan? Walking Dead 129. If you're not reading Walking Dead, uh, if, uh, at this point, there's no convincing you how good this book is. But this book is, it is so consistent. And I think that at this point is what I enjoy about the book. With all the crazy shit that happens in the Walking Dead book, it is consistently excellent. Just month in, month out, it, it's it's phenomenal. The, after just wrapping up this the big all-out war crossover with Rick against Negan, who is just the greatest, the greatest villain that there has ever been. Negan's dialogue is so fucking funny. It is, and it's Good awful, terrible words. shit. <laughs> but, oh god, it's just. <laughs> oh man, it is. It is the best dialogue. Like I would, I would sit here on my couch and read Negan's dialogue out loud to, out loud to my wife. And she doesn't like the book, so she didn't think it was funny, but I'd be sitting here laughing my tits off. Fucking just great, great goddamn dialogue. But what what I like so much about the book now is that Rick's character, Rick Grimes' character, is so calm and cool and collected on the outside. But this dude is so close to fucking snapping at any little thing that goes wrong. His control freak nature is at the point where they are now in the story is at the point where it is going to be tested regularly. And it's going to be really fun to watch this guy actually for real lose his shit, which is surprising considering the ringer that he has been through. But this ringer, dude, another good choice of words, really losing his shit. I, I'm here for you, sir. It is. It's just so goddamn good. And oh God, it, it's, just, I mean, if you're not reading The Walking Dead, you should be. And even though there are 129 issues into it, if you haven't been reading The Walking Dead, you should go back and read all of it. It is fantastic. Yeah, grab the trade paperbacks. That's what I did. And that's actually how I read the the book in general because a lot of my friends who read the book are just effing sick of it because they're like, oh, the pacing's off and nothing's happening and blah, 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 blah. And I've never experienced any of that because – I read it in these chunks whenever the trade paperbacks come out, and every time a trade comes out, I you know I grab a bookmark like I'm going to read some of it, and and then you know come back to it later, <laughs> and then I never use the bookmark. I always make it to the end of the issue and be like, "Fuck, I gotta know what happens." <laughs> God next. damn it! But yeah. I won't pick it up on an issue to issue basis because then I'll be doing that once a month, and I don't <laughs> need that. <laughs> so. I wait for it in trade, but I mean, so so obviously I'm a little bit behind. I, I'm still waiting for the last part of All Out War, but I, I I agree with you, Dan. I think this book is is outstanding. I love the fact that it's in black and white. I love uh, the fact that it's not it's not really a zombie book. It's just kind of like about the people that live in a zombie apocalypse. I love that it's yeah, so and different it's from never been yeah, it's yeah. never been a zombie book. Like that, that, that's the whole thing that I, that I think what, what was so brilliant about getting this book made was that, you know, Kirkman originally pitched it as this zombie apocalypse. And at the end of the series, there were going to be aliens and that was going to be 
the fucking the cause of it. And that's how we <laughs> eventually got this this book made. And then, you know, went off and went, well, fuck you. I'm going to do my own thing because it's image and I can. Yeah, but it's it's always been about it's a family book. It's a fucking family drama it is really at, at its heart what it is. You know, there's still some we got to cut off some heads here and, you know, people lose body parts and shit. But well, you have to do what you got to do. I mean, no, you, you got to survive. Yeah. But so it's this is full house with zombies. Is that what you're telling me? It is. It's fucking full house, except in this version the 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 creepy Michelle that was the kid's name right yeah Michelle yeah. um gets killed very early on and <laughs> it's a better show because of it which by the way if fucking total sidebar but if you search on YouTube um Full House minus Michelle you will get a video of the intro to Full House where somebody digitally erased Michelle and it is the creepiest like. They're talking to an empty high chair and like (laughs) Danny Tanner is running around like and it looks like he's pretending to hold a baby in his arms. It's the fucking greatest thing. It's so creepy. It's so, so awesome. It's absolutely worth watching. Um, But yeah, Walking Dead uh, gets the vote of confidence. Last book to talk about, though. Uh, Spoiler alert. Fucking save your money. Grayson number one was here, here's the best thing I can say about Grayson number one. It ended. It it was so so shitty and so predictable that we will have a Nightwing book again relatively soon. It was awful. It uh, the artwork was fine. It looked like a DC book. That's one of my big problems with DC. Why I'm more of a Marvel and Image guy. Every book looks the goddamn same. Um, all the coloring is the same, all the art style, it all looks like a superhero book. It's this book, everything was so telegraphed of like, hey, look, here's the mystery that we're going to talk about. Look, I put it in bold letters for you to pick up on the fact that it's a fucking mystery, right? Whereas in Spider-Man 2099, you know that there's some shady shit going on, but Peter David didn't like... Slap you with it. Yeah, he he wasn't like you know, waving it in your face. But in this book, literally the mysterious shit that you would hopefully pick up on if you're reading is in bold characters, you know? And like Dick is working for this fucking spy agency. Now it, it's just, it's called bad. spiral. Let's not, let's yeah. not forget the spy agency is oh. called spiral. This is such a damn missed opportunity because this could have been, this particular instance could have been DC's Hawkeye. You know, Could like I'm not reading, I'm not reading Hawkeye, but I understand the point of that book and, and the purpose of it. And it's just such a, they took this character and they went this different kind of non superhero direction with it. And they had this great opportunity to take the Dick Grayson character and turn it into something else entirely because the way they left it at the end of Forever Evil, he can't be a superhero anymore. Right. Because everybody knows Dick Grayson is Nightwing. Like, it's just now it's common knowledge. Everybody knows it. So how's this guy going to be a superhero anymore? So he can't. So he goes off and, and goes to be a spy on, which I thought was more interesting before it became a mission that Batman sent him on, which uh, kind of yeah. irked me uh, quite a bit. Wait, um, I, 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 I have a question. Go I for have it. a question because I haven't read it and I'm listening and – I do remember that everybody knows who Dick Grayson is now. 
how is he a spy? <laughs> he makes. Yeah, I have spy. not read Grayson. Do they explain how that uh, how that works? Nope. In okay. The, in the very first couple of panels, he's got a blonde wig on. But he's, oh, oh, he, oh, he, oh, oh right. he's Hannah Montana. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. It was fucking. Dick Grayson is Hannah Montana. That would have been a better book. This book sucked. Oh God, it was it was bad, man. Can we it change was... the title of this podcast to Dick Grayson is Hannah Montana? Yes. Yes, yes. absolutely. I'm post. <laughs> it's and you know, like I wanted to like it. I, I have I have a ton of issues with what DC did in the new fifty two, not because I, I don't appreciate them taking the risk. But I don't think they took enough of a risk because it's like we're rebooting our whole universe except for Batman and Superman and Green Lantern. All of those things still happened. No, no, we're rebooting Superman or we're not. But but we are. But but this still happened. But But Doomsday. There's no way it could have happened. Yeah, Yeah. he's still. Yep. But But, hey, look over there. Something shiny. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing with, with the Batman stuff, too. The how 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 the fuck in five years. Are you going to go like you go through a Robin a year? It just Absolutely. doesn't make any goddamn sense. The man well, has needs, okay? <laughs> see, but the thing is, what you don't know is after he gets six, the seventh one's free. Oh, well, shit. All right. That makes perfect <laughs> sense then. It's just, oh, God, I just, I just have issues with I, I have I have major, major problems with logistically. Like, I understand they're comic books and I should suspend my disbelief. But you got to help me out along the way. I, I, I'm not going to do all the work for you. It's a lot easier to swallow with the Batman book being so goddamn good. But right. when and you that, get to the Superman stuff that's been so une- so so uneven, yeah, it's oh God, like yeah. – you know, because I remember reading that in the, one of the – I think it was the first issue of Batman or at least one of the first ones where they're going through the list of all the Robins – that have been Robins and who they are and all that jazz. And it's like, but you've only been Batman for five years. This is, this doesn't add up. And I didn't care because it was so good. I was like, all right, this is some editorial bullshit. I I don't give a shit. I mean, really with zero year, I mean, zero year has been freaking great. I've been so happy with zero year, but how the hell do all the Robins fit into zero year? (laughs) Like, well, and that's like, he's going to finish that off. Cause there's one of the years right there, so now he did it in four years. <laughs> it's, like, and and you're, you're absolutely right. Scott Snyder's Batman is so good. It is the best that Batman has ever been. It is by far the best book that DC puts out every month. It's not even close. Well, that's why they let him fudge uh, the details. I don't know if I agree with that. Because DC's it, like, here, write this. And he's like, well, do you, do you need any details to go along? No, just fucking do it, no. Scott. It'll be just, good. Okay. Just do it, Scott. We're going to do everything around you. You just do your thing. This book ain't fucking Scott Snyder. See, but that's the problem. They should be doing that. They should be working everything around Scott Snyder, and they're not. Yeah, it's, if they it's were just to do books. that, go ahead. And I, yeah, yeah, I was going to say all the Bat books kind of go in their own direction, and then they, it, like Batman becomes Wolverine. You know, where why is Wolverine here and there and everywhere at the same time? And so you've got Batman being pushed in all these different directions. And I kind of like, see, now you were saying that Batman's far and away the best DC book, and I disagree. I think Batman might be the best DC book, but if anything, Wonder Woman is an extremely close second. And the way they're treating the Wonder Woman character is that they're building whatever the hell's going on 
around what's going on in Wonder Woman when it relates to her, which is why I like Superman Wonder Woman so much. I think that's the best Superman book right now because it ties so much into the mythology that goes on in the Wonder Woman book and it doesn't fuck with it either. It kind of fits yeah. in with what's going on, you know, with within reason because of how close, you know, how tight Azarello's story is with the whole Wonder Woman thing, but it kind of works in in that vicinity. Wonder Woman doesn't wind up showing up in a whole bunch of places she can't possibly be in relation to her own book. Well, you see, that's the yeah, difference and, with Azarello yeah. and, and, and Scott is Azarello's, it sounds negative, but he's leaving the holes for other stories to fit into. Snyder isn't. Yeah, true. It's he's, a defined, tight, tight year story that, yes, there's there's no Robin, so, oh, it's so how tight. we... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and you know, it also that, that really kind of look at Death of the Family. I mean, I read all those shitty tie-ins to Death of the Family. Oh, they were so bad. But that main book, I freaking adored that book because when Snyder was writing the Joker, he was fucking terrifying. Yeah, every word that came in that character's mouth held had this gravity to it that when whenever he spoke, you were like. This guy is this guy makes crazy look sane. Like this is this character is so dangerously crazy. It's 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 fantastic. But then you read him in the other books and even though it's got the same weird font that they applied to just the Joker's uh dialogue, it never f- had the same gravity as it did when the Joker spoke in Batman because uh, that that stuff was awesome. It never felt dangerous. In exactly. The books. In and Batman, he felt he felt dangerous, and and that was one of the things I I don't remember who I was talking to about this. It, it might even been you, Dan, that we were talking about how Death of the Family just kind of was a it amounted to nothing. I can't remember who I was talking to, or maybe it was something I was listening to on another podcast. But a, a bunch of um, the customers that come in my store would com- complained about the ending of Death of the Family, and and I think I thought it was brilliant. I thought the fact that they didn't kill somebody was awesome because it says it right in the title and that is such a joker thing like the whole point was to <laughs> just take all of to just take batman's world away from him it wasn't to literally kill anybody it was to cause mistrust and that's what yeah, he accomplished and, and everybody who didn't get that uh really just has not been paying attention to what the joker's character is ever that that was your your one hundred percent spot on. The death of the family was not. It was not death in the family. That's why it was very clearly playing off of those of us who remember calling up the hotline to get Robin <laughs> killed. Right? Like it was very clearly playing off of that, which is which is a great Batman story. It is an excellent excellent book. Reads very well in in trade as well, even with the weird Superman sucking in the like the and the Joker being the ambassador in Iran is just fucking weird. But, you know, like, but it was so clearly playing off that and like where they left Nightwing at the end of that, I thought was a really interesting place to take Nightwing. And then the other DC books totally undid all of yeah they the, negated the that whole that whole mistrust thing yeah they, and, and, and especially that, like yeah. he's now going on this mission for bruce like 
he wouldn't do that at the end of at where they left things at the end of Death of the Family. Yeah, it, I mean it maybe just he would make... maybe after the whole Forever Evil thing, like because that was a you know fairly traumatic. That was a serious. That was some serious business. But that was also another piece of of Batman that I didn't really because uh, he's so in, for the most part in control, and the fact that everybody. Anybody who has ever watched a television show or read a comic book knew that Lex was just going to stop his heart to make it seem like he was dead long enough to defuse the bomb and then start him up again. And Batman's like, you're going to kill Dick. Oh, my God. It's like, come on. (laughs) Batman knows that Lex is not stupid. Batman knows Lex isn't an idiot. And he knows that he's just not going to fucking murder this guy in front of everybody. It's how in the world – that was I, – I loved Forever Evil. I really fucking liked that storyline. I totally dug it. I, I loved the, the way they, they tackled those evil versions of the Justice League. I loved so much about it. But that bit at the end really just, just yanked me right out of it. And like, ah, come on. And especially after the like three or four-month delay that was between the issues, what the hell were they doing? What were they doing during that whole time? Because they sure shit weren't writing that. Because if they were, then somebody <laughs> owes me a job. <laughs> yeah. So, short story long, all of that, you know, really ties back around to the fact that this is just not a Dick Grayson story. It's not good. Like, if this had been the new Grifter book, sure, that would have been fine. But it it's not... It's not a Dick Grayson. It just wasn't good. And I, I'd be curious to see if you guys pick it up during the week or at least, like, thumb through it in the store. Cause well, I'm not going to now. Don't, don't <laughs> fucking spend any money on it. It's terrible. Don't buy it. But if you guys do happen to read it. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to see next week what you guys thought about it. I mean, maybe I'm just being un- unfairly harsh, but, you know, just, ugh. <laughs> Well, well nice review. Uh, Dean, what have you got for us this week? You guys ready to not have anything to say about my books? Because I am. <laughs> sure. Okay, actually, the one book that um, maybe you guys uh, read was the, the new Rocket Raccoon book that came out last week. No, I didn't check that out. I decided to pass on all the, the extraneous Guardian stuff just because it looked cool, and I freaking love Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, the, the new book is great. But I just didn't have it in me to 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 jump onto a bunch of other stuff. I haven't been reading all that much, so I kept an open mind when I was looking through crap. I got like really obscure stuff besides that. But Rocket Raccoon was cool. It's basically this book, and how it sets up is Rocket Raccoon's this badass motherfucker who just saves princesses all day when he's not with the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Well, everybody, I guess I guess times are tough. End story. Uh, like, besides that, princesses. like, there, there's. A, I swear to God, he says he saves princesses. I did not make that up. That that's in the fucking book. That's printed on paper. He saves princesses. But there's a, there's some cool scenes in there. Like, uh, there's a probably a two page setup of where Groot is wrestling some ridiculous monster inside like a wwe arena and everything and rocket raccoon took his princess that he just rescued to go watch the match or whatever and like swooner and i thought it was cool because i like wrestling and i like groot and it, it was it was neat um basically the the whole story to the book is that 
all these princesses that he saves are actually turn into his lovers or girlfriends or whatever, and he always treats them terrible. Kind of how like Barney treated every girl in How I Met Your Mother. So they all decide to make some sort of evil girlfriend coalition against him. So it's basically the cheesiest 90s teen movie that you could ever think of. Starring a raccoon. A heavily armed raccoon. A heavily armed <laughs> raccoon. Yeah, I forgot to mention that point. But yeah, it, it what was... What more can you ask for? Yeah, like, it was it was ridiculous and stupid, and that's the kind of shit that I go for, because at the end of the day, I really just want shit to laugh. Like, it doesn't have to be serious. Like, I, I read Batman, that's serious enough. Uh, I, everything else, I want to be lighthearted and goofy. So yeah, it, w- it was funny. For anyone looking for a serious story arc, you're not going to get it here. This, this book is fucking silly as all hell. And it's it's funny. Scotty Young, you know, always has a way with doing really funny shit with art. So it, it was cool. Uh, besides- yeah, the, the art in that book, Scotty Young, is so fucking good, man. And he is absolutely perfect. Yeah, for, for that title. Yeah, it, it it's it like I said, it's a really cool, goofy, colorful book. It's it's neat. Uh, and if you want something silly, I'd say it's worth it. Uh, the the other book that I well, other two. Uh, I'm gonna go with the less interesting one first. Was RoboCop by uh, where's that? ID? Oh no, Boom, Boom. Sorry. And I don't know. I when it comes between like RoboCop, Godzilla, a bunch of those properties that these companies keep trying to whore out and it never fucking works because nothing ever really sticks. Ah, it's kind of a bummer. RoboCop's more of the same. This one takes place after the second movie, but not yet the third one. So it's it's kind of weird. Uh, there's weird discrepancies if they're going by like movie stuff, which I would assume because the whole RoboCop stuff like just lately has been based on movies and crap. So it's a little weird. Um, there wasn't too much going on. He shot a bunch of people. He did his whole cowboy thing with the, the gun. And then a bad guy's like, I'm going to get you, RoboCop. I'm going to get you. And her bad guy. And then they shake hands because he's secretly working for the fucking government or some shit. It's it's weird. It's uh, I'm exhausted just listening it, to you talk about this Exactly. Book. Like it, I, it, it sounds it's, Terrible. It's it's weird. I didn't like it. The art was like really grainy. Like it came from the eighties, but they did it on purpose. So it was it was kind of bizarre. It had a really weird feel to it. I, I wasn't into it. The last book I read was actually cool. Did have any of you guys read Dresden Files at all? No, no. I am almost completely unfamiliar with it. Besides, I know it exists and how to spell it. Very good, Chris. <laughs> uh, but Dresden, I that, yeah, I. I I know that there was a band called the Dresden Dolls a few years ago that were really cool. But no, that, that's not it, though. Amanda, that's it, Amanda Palmer's a badass and everything. No, no. Magic, right? Yeah, yeah. there you go, magic. Yeah, all right. We're, we're in the making here. Uh, all right, no, what, cool, good. Good synopsis, Dresden Files, magic. <laughs> now, what it is is um, there, there was a whole set of novels that came out called the Dresden Files, and the comic book is based off of the books. It's just more stuff that comes after it, which is cool because the books are really awesome. There was a short-lived TV series about it that stars the cop father from Arrow, if you guys know who oh, I'm talking about. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, oh, that's that guy. That's why I recognize yeah, him. Yeah, that's, right. that's how most people... All right, cool. Two for two. Um, <laughs> the From what I read in the comic, it's two issues in. I read the second one uh, back-to-back with the first. 
it was really, really cool. It has a really cool premise of there's three different councils working in the world. There's the White Council, which is, which is wizards. I'm pretty sure there's a Black Council, which is necromancers. And then there's, I think, the Red Council, which is fucking vampires. And they're not sparkly vampires. They're badass, like, man-bat <laughs> vampires. And they can morph into humans and stuff, but the real form is man-bat people, and it's cool as hell. So... Uh, there's this huge war going on between the vampires and the White Council, which are the wizards, because there are these, like, nuclear magical weapons, like, that are in the form of creatures, and they have the ability to wipe out, kind of like an A-bomb did, an entire set or race of people. So, uh, they're, like, deeply earthed in, like, houses, and they're protected by all kinds of, like, scholars and stuff that are schooled in magic, it's really freaking cool. I could go on about it all day. The art was neat. Um, it has the dynamite like quirkiness and feel of most of their books, and I, I like it a lot. If for anyone that's read the books, it's really cool. Uh, it's got plenty of the the, the novel references, so uh, I definitely say it's up anybody's alley who read the novels and enjoyed it. Are those were those the Jim Butcher novels? Yes. Is that the, yes. They okay. Are. All right, I do know what that is. That that like constantly pops up on the recommended for me to read lists of like you should be reading these fucking books. They're dope. Yeah, dude. Like, they're they're really right. cool. They're they're really cool books. I'm like three or four novels and I kind of just read in my spare time when I'm trying to relax. Uh the first one that I read was all about like some drug dealing wizard and like you really don't know anything about the guy to the end it's super fucking cool it's got a lot of really big twists in the book it's a, it's a mystery essentially just with magic and it, it's it's super neat I, I i love the books to death and for anyone that likes geeky shit it's really cool all right well that's a good enough recommendation for me i will actually fucking read the book now very and cool. in, and uh, and on that turn i will hunt down the television show and watch it I, I I don't know how far the television show goes, but you're more than welcome to. I will continue to watch Arrow. Yay! <laughs> Won't we all? Yay! All right. Well, thanks, Dean. Um, I guess I'll I'll polish off this uh this round. Um, I got three things to talk about. Only one of them I have read so far. The other two are things I'm I'm hoping to be awesome. Uh, the first one is the one that I did read. Um. It's the it's spread number one from Image. Uh, Image has been pretty much knocking it out of the park as far as what everyone's been telling me, and I've been I skip on all that stuff. I I just haven't jumped on any of the new Image stuff because I always say that I don't really have room for another book and 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 all that other jazz. But at the comic book store I work in, um, when we get new books, uh, especially unknown stuff, we have to flip through it to make sure there's no nudity or anything horrible in it. Um, so that if if there is, we put it in a current bag so that it, you know little kids won't pick it up and flip through the book on the shelves. You, so you don't flipping... let the ten year olds read Saga. That's no, shame. no, we don't. <laughs> Those big TV dicks are dangling. <laughs> <laughs> so we get this book spread in, and I pick it up, and and the cover of it is this dude who looks like a, I don't know, almost like an Asian Wolverine, um, with a baby strapped to his chest with a baby octopus doll strapped to its chest and there's blood everywhere and a bunch of tentacles and i was like all right that's that's kind of a cool picture yay sold <laughs> so i'm flipping through the book turns out the book's about this dude named no and uh the book's being um uh like the exposition is being narrated by uh the, you know this character you don't find out about halfway through the book is the baby um 
So apparently the baby lives. So spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's this red stuff that's like all over the earth. It's like just mouths and teeth and it can apparently infect people and all sorts of other crap. And this dude named No is uh, – he's just a badass with a, a couple of axes and he doesn't say much, which is why they call him No because most of what he says is No. And uh, he's immune to this stuff. Apparently the way they make it sound in the book is that there are just certain people are immune to the spread as it were because the spread will like infect people almost like a almost like a zombie virus thing. But really they just turn into monsters and then become part of this red goop mouth teeth thing that's all over the earth. You know what's awesome? Right at this point, I'm enjoying cherry jello. Wow. <laughs> you should probably no stop lie. eating that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so the, the book is basically – it just kind of sets up the premise. Um, you know, by the end of the issue, like I don't want to spoil anything because not a, a, t- a ton happens. The first issue is just all world building and setting up kind of the basic rules for what works and doesn't work in this in – this, um, form this this whole world that they're building and uh the the baby is essentially the MacGuffin. you know the baby is the thing that this dude has to keep safe so dude in some sort of dystopian future uh he's a badass and he has to protect a baby which isn't the most original concept in the world but it had this it had this character to it and i was really happy about it so i decided to to buy it and i took it home and i read it and i was happier with it even fully reading it than I was flipping through it uh, in the store. And I'm glad I picked it up, and I'm totally going to stick with it. I'm glad for you. Hey, dude, Image, Image is killing it, man. Like, every month they have something new coming out that's phenomenal and totally worth your money or, or time or, you know, even if you're just going to sit in the comic book store and read it, it is totally, totally worth it. They're, they're killing it every month, man. Well, I heartily recommend this book. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't have time to go back and read all of the image books that I miss, but you know, some of them I'll eventually hit up and trade if they interest me enough. Like Saga, I will definitely read eventually. I'm just, you know, just kind of waiting on stuff. And what are you looking back. forward to? Uh, all right, so I, I have I have a pretty decent stack of books this week. Um, you know, Original Sin, Future Sin, Star Wars, um, but the the two books that I'm probably Looking forward to the most for two very different reasons. Uh, the first one is Avatar The Last Airbender, The Rift Part 2. Um, that show was amazing, and I did not expect that show to be amazing. I, I just kind of looked at it as, you know, it was a Nickelodeon cartoon. Uh, but I eventually wound up watching it, and it completely blew my mind. It just knocked my socks off how much I got into that book. I could not believe how, uh, the, the book, the show. I couldn't believe how into it I got. And then that sequel show came on, Legend of Korra, which is also just stunning. Just absolutely unbelievably good. And um They're coming out one, with a second season, aren't they? Uh Legend of Korra had started. The second season just started a few weeks ago. So such a good good show. Really ridiculously good. Uh if you've ever watched Avatar The Last Airbender, the big mystery they left open at the end was what happened to Zuko's mom. And then I found out that there were these comic books, and I was like, oh, I wonder if these uh, uh, touch on that. And the first round of them, they kind of, I think it was called The Promise, and it involved Zuko. And I was like, oh, okay, well, he said at the end of the, at, at the show, I'm going to go find out what happened to my mom. And 
So I, I started reading them, and while it didn't exactly touch on the whole Zuko's mom thing at first, it was really good. Like it, it had the same gravity as the as the show. It had the same pull. It had the same feeling. It was just more of these characters. It was more story to that show, and and it was great. And then at the end of it, it was Zuko basically saying, "Now let's go find out what happened to my mom." So. They had the second trilogy of these. They're kind of like graphic novels more than they are uh, individual comics. They're you know just this thicker chunks of things, and they come out every couple of months. And um, the second, uh, the second little trilogy of books actually explained what happened to Zuko's mom, and it was amazing. <laughs> it was <laughs> so freaking cool, uh, and and I was so happy when that came out. And so they have this other um, trilogy of books coming out now called the uh, the Rift. And part two came out this week, and I'm really excited to read it because, uh, man, this stuff is this stuff is really good, um, really, yeah. really, really good. As the show went, it was, <clears throat> I mean, like you said, it was a Nickelodeon show, and and I too went into it not expecting much, but you know, when you get the seasons together, it just oh, j- all right, one more episode, right, okay, I I know I have to get up to work <laughs> tomorrow, just just one more episode, and it it. It's it was a loss at the end. It's very rare that you know, at the end of a show, you go, "Oh, I wish there was more," because most of the time you don't because they've run their course and it's you know they fucked it up in some way, shape, or form. And they that didn't was one, with Avatar. No, they didn't. It was one of those shows that I was glad to see uh, the Korra series come out, and it's I didn't know that there was a comic series of any sort, so I'll have to check that out. I will lend you all my books. There's, there's not a ton of them. I'll bring them by the store next time you come in. You got to read them. There's, they they have the same soul as the as the uh, the animated series did, and Fantastic. they'll just make you sick. And especially when you find out what happened to Zuko's mom. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I was done with that show, I was like, "All right, when's the next season starting?" Wait, it's over. Fuck you. <laughs> I want to know what happened. And what happened is really interesting. They're really, really interesting. And what else is cool is that – so, Dan, have you ever watched the uh, Avatar before you ever watched any of that stuff? No, I, I've seen like one or two random episodes here or there and really liked what I saw, but I just – I haven't started it from from the beginning. So one of these put, days. It, it's, on, it's on the list. <laughs> to, to put things basically into perspective, um, Avatar builds this – builds this very unique and interesting world and then the legend of Korra is uh, what is it? it's 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 almost 100 years later it's like a, a generation past avatar so there's this huge gap between the two shows and what's really great about this and and you see shows do this from time to time or or movies or whatever do this avatar when it moved on to legend of korra took um progression of technology really into account and the kind of technology that would exist in a world where people, certain people can bend to the elements. And the amount of attention to how the world exists that they pay is just amazing. And it's really interesting reading these last airbender books because they fit between the shows so well. And you see kind of the pieces of what's going to form into, you know, the Republic City and everything that takes in the Legend of Korra. You start to see those building blocks come together. Like the first, um, the first uh, trilogy of books 
is kind of about undoing the the damage that the Fire Nation did to the world, and then some of the complicated things that exist out of um, you know the Fire Nation invading and occupying certain other kingdoms for a very long time, and you get to see how that will eventually form into the kinds of relationships that people have with one another and the way that Republic City is like, there's these two brothers on the show uh, and one of them's a firebender, one of them's an earthbender. And in Avatar The Last Airbender, you would never see that because families were, you know, if you were part of the water tribe, you were a waterbender. If you were a bender at all, you were going to be a waterbender and the air nomads were the airbenders and the fire nation were the firebenders and there were never any other types of benders native to those lands. And this is a, bro- a, a pair of brothers that have two entirely different types of bending and these comics kind of bridge the gap of figuring out exactly how that happens and it's it's great. It's just great, great stuff. The other book that I'm interested, that I'm most interested in reading for a completely different set of reasons is Justice League United because this is a book that I I see promise in and while it hasn't delivered on any of it yet... <laughs> <laughs> I want I want to see this book succeed. Um it's uh it's written by Jeff Lemire. Um and he this is the book that he's writing now that he's done writing Animal Man. And Animal Man I didn't read all of it, but the stuff that I did read and from what I've heard about it is extraordinary. Just really 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 good stuff. And so he brought Animal Man into Justice League United, which is what happened um after Justice League of America basically failed. And I don't mean the comic failed. I mean the team, the whole concept of the Justice League of America failed, which I thought was a really interesting kind of um, screw uh, curveball that DC threw by launching Justice League of America. They brought this book together, and the whole purpose of this team, they're like, we're going to build the Justice League of America, and these, this team is going to be put together with the sole purpose of being able to stop the Justice League because they don't have anybody to answer to. They float around in a satellite and and do whatever they want to do in the interest of what's right, but now Wonder Woman and Superman are dating, and what happens if they get into a fight, or what happens if they have a kid, and what are we going to do to stop this? So they create this team, the Justice League of America, and then Forever Evil happens. Actually, then Trinity War happens, which then leads to Forever Evil, and it was the complete and total failure of the Justice League of America that kind of let these events happen more or less and the, uh, the remainder of that team after what happened uh, forms the Justice League United, they go to uh, go up to Canada and now it seems that they're in space more than anything and you know the team is like Supergirl and Green Arrow and Animal Man and Martian Manhunter and Stargirl and um uh god i can't remember the character's name doctor something or other Damn, dr fate not dr fate he's he's in earth too uh doctor midnight <laughs> no he's um he's he's an older character that that hasn't really been in in much for a long time the book's right in front of me i don't know why i don't just freaking look at it but uh as long as it's not catwoman cuz <laughs> dumb idea that was i thought that was an interesting idea oh no I disagree. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you know, when I, all right, so, so when I first see, all right, Catwoman's going to be on a Justice League, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And then I read the book and it made sense. And then, <clears throat> uh, you know, especially what happened between her and Batman in Forever Evil, it, it, it even made even more sense. 
you know, the whole point of it was like, all right, so we're going to pay you a shit ton of money because you're something we can use to keep Batman in line because we know you have a relationship with him. So if something comes up where we got to pit you against Batman, you can that you was, can manipulate that situation. That was the point of that that whole team that there was a counter for everyone in the Justice League. And as we all know, those of us who like the DC universe, there is no counter to the Batman. Exactly. You can't you can't fight him head on. And the the point of the Catwoman being in there is that she's not fighting him. She's pulling on the old heartstrings. Exactly. She can, if she can't fight him, then she can manipulate him. And I thought that was – once I understood that that was the situation, I had a shit ton more respect for it. I was like, that's actually pretty smart because if I was in Amanda Waller's shoes, that's who I'd pick. <laughs> in, in Amanda Waller's new sexy, new, sexy, sexy belt skinny shoes. shoes. <laughs> uh, that makes me Seriously, so Seriously, fuck DC for doing that. But yeah. anyway – so anyway, yeah, Justice League United, I like the promise of what this book has to offer because this book, uh, it, it has a lot of character to it and that's one of the things I look for and, and it's one of the things that separates the Justice League books from the Avengers books for me right now is that the Avengers books are so far up their own asses that <laughs> it's just – you know, uh, worlds upon worlds, and we are also very smart. And and the burden of being a hero is so immense, and we are so serious. And when I read a team book, I want a team of superheroes to punch bad guys. And <laughs> Avengers, yeah, they no, don't seem right. to punch bad guys much. And and they it made me so mad, especially side tangent i work in a comic book store avengers comes out it's the big, biggest movie on the goddamn planet we start seeing new customers wow i saw this avengers movie i really want to read an avengers comic where can you point me uh, i have absolutely no idea where i can point you because i read avengers and i have no idea what the fuck is going on i can't put you on uncanny avengers because what? That's not the Avengers on the movie, is That's it? not the Avengers on the movie, and not only that, at the time, it was the Red Skull, stole Charles Xavier's brain. <laughs> okay, you gotta be a certain level of crazy to really kind of jump into that level of suspension of disbelief. So, alright, let's read Avengers. Uh, well, how about New Avengers? Well, it's not really anything about the Avengers. It's the Illuminati. It's a bunch of super smart people doing super smart things and being dicks to one another. That's not really a superhero <laughs> kind of book. Sure, it's really good, but it's not really an Avengers book. Well, what about Avengers Arena? Well, you want to see a bunch of characters you never heard of kill each other? Sure. There you go. Live the dream. But that's not going to help anybody. So then you've got Avengers Assemble, which was kind of sort of tailor-designed to be the exact team from the movie. And they even had almost an exact ripoff of Justice League number one's cover. But as soon as you start up the book, it's all these characters that weren't in the movie, like Spider-Woman and Wolverine. And they're talking about, well, who are, the, who are all these guys? Why are they bringing these guys into it? And then the book goes totally off the rails and becomes pointless and replaces all of the characters that were in the movie with the other characters that the writers just felt like writing about like six issues in. So that's down the toilet. And what about the main Avengers book? Good luck with that one. It's all about alternate dimensions and Reed Richards and uh, friggin' cataclysmic events raining down from the heavens. And I just wanted to see Thor throw his hammer at something and, like, the Hulk punch something. But it's just not there. It's it's all talking and and very – it takes itself so seriously. And so I would point people to Justice League. New 52 Justice League is a bunch of superheroes getting together, 
punching bad guys. <laughs> I love it. And that's what Justice League United seems to have going for it is a certain level of fun with a certain level of kind of B-list characters. Like Hawkman's in there, and I think Hawkman's cool. And I, I didn't like any of the Hawkman stuff that happened in the New 52 until Justice League of America when Hawkman was just this – he was this great little extra spice. You know, he was this little <laughs> – He's not a main course. He's a side dish. And what a tasty side dish he is. <laughs> and, you know, Green Arrow, I, I heard Green Arrow's book is really good. And he's been a really fun character in this book because, you know, he kind of wanted to be on the Justice League. And then he wanted to be on the Justice League of America. And everyone kept kind of pushing him off. And then he kind of joins up with the team. And he wants to try to get the uh, – after the whole Forever Evil things happens, he's the one who's trying to get the old crew back together in Justice League United and winds up uh, – kind of getting involved in this whole interplanetary alien invasion thing that that's going on. But I want the, I want to like this book and I want to like it a lot and I want it to kind of fulfill. I, you know, I don't have room for a, a character like uh, Supergirl who I am kind of sort of interested in as far as the new 52 is concerned. I mean, she's really angry. She's uh, a red lantern now, apparently, I'm kind of interested in that, but not enough to buy Supergirl. I'm interested in Green Arrow, but not enough to buy the book. And what one of the reasons I buy team books is to fulfill that kind of need. And if it turns out that I like a character enough from reading a team book, I'll go off and read their solo stuff if I think they're interesting enough. And I'm hoping that that works with me on Justice League United. So I have high hopes for the book. I flipped through it a little bit. I saw a pretty funny joke about... Lobo showing up like stupid new metrosexual skinny Lobo uh, showing up and then getting blown up with a, one of Green Arrow's arrows and punched really hard by uh, Supergirl. And then Animal Man walks up to Supergirl and says, hey, nice hit. And, and Green Arrow's like, yeah, well, what about my exploding arrow? And he just looks at him and shrugs and says, meh. <laughs> <laughs> and I started laughing. And so I was like, all right, good, good. Keep this up. Give me Give me moments like this and I will keep reading your book. So – those are the two books that I haven't read yet that I have the highest hopes for, and those are those are those are my picks for the week. Well, <sighs> good. You're Speaking right of, I'm good. I'm okay. good. I'm 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 moist. <laughs> it's very hot in this room, and I, I don't have any ACs running or anything because I don't want to screw up uh, things with the microphone. Yeah. So so no no feature topic discussion. We're still getting our legs underneath us. This is this is a new podcast. Obviously, we're in episode two. Um, but it's been fun. I had fun listening to you guys. I hope you had some fun listening to me. Um, Absolutely. Aw. <laughs> so yes, this is the this is the Paper Cuts podcast. This is part of a, our our Geek Life website that we've been putting a bunch of new content together for everybody. Uh, let us know what you think. Where can uh, where can anybody who listens to this get in contact with us and ask us questions? That's a good question, Chris. In fact, we have a handy dandy email that uh, we go by. And that is G33KLIFESITE at gmail.com. If I have to spell Gmail, well, then you have more issues than I thought. Uh, there's also a contact tab on our website at www.g33klife.com. Once again, that's www.g33klife.com. Thank you, Dean. And while we're plugging things, uh, by all means, listen to some of our other podcasts. We've got a, you know, a couple of video game-related podcasts. Actually, we just have one. It's a Stone Age Gamer that you can hear myself, Dean, and Dan on. 
uh, where we just talk about retro games and other wacky stuff. Current episodes are really cool. It's about classic video game music, so give that a download, give that a listen. Uh, you've also got the Geek Philosophers podcast, which is all sorts of philosophizing about geek-type stuff. You've got Dean doing uh, Let's Plays. Uh, apparently Dan's going to say something about beer at some point. Uh, what else uh, What else tomorrow, do you got to plug? Tomorrow. I, I'm recording it tomorrow. Outstanding. Ha. I can't <laughs> wait to hear that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Evan, you've got some pretty cool stuff going on. You, you're, uh, you're helping set up a, a, a comics convention. Yeah, actually, it, we're in the process of doing um, Garden State Comic Fest. It's going to take place uh, August 23rd in Marstown, New Jersey, uh, a Hyatt, which is a very nice hotel in a very nice town. Um, it's, it's actually coming out, coming together really, really nicely. We have over 100 tables. Uh, we're trying to split it up nice and evenly between artists, vendors, and, well, artists, comic, comics, and then vendors, whether they be toys, T-shirts, crafts, and whatnot. Um, and as we're getting closer and closer, the, the demand is so great for for people wanting tables and whatnot were expanding, uh, getting other rooms that are available in the hotel. And, you know, we've, uh, me and two other gentlemen have been working at this, I mean, for six months. It's taken, it's going to, in total, it's going to be about six months. And after this one, we're just going to keep rolling and, and just keep layering it on top of each other and getting uh, larger and larger venues as, as, as fast as we can, because, you know, Going to New York and checking out those other conventions, it seems that a lot of times they forget why people go to a comic convention, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get back to the old school, you know, go buy a crap ton of books, shake some hands, and be able to actually walk around a room for an hour or so and, and get your comic fix. So That's fantastic. Thank you. That is. No, in fact, you know, maybe, maybe some of yeah. us will be there. Yeah, maybe some of us will be there, and and I, I just say thank you because last c- couple of times I've been to NYCC, I've it's just what am I there for? Like to spend a bunch of money on a bunch of overpriced stuff? It's it's not it's not fun anymore. Uh, it, it's it it has lost. I rem- I remember years and years and years and years ago when when New York Comic Con first came, when it was first starting, and. It was it, it it was what it should have been. It should have stayed there. And with this drive to become San Diego Comic Con, it's it's just becoming horrible. I mean, you want to get tickets to 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 New York now? You can't unless you want to spend two three hundred dollars online because they sell out immediately. Because scalpers come through and buy tickets and then resell them immediately on eBay. That's that's beyond me. That's not what a comic convention is. Yeah, and it's comic- the cool thing to do now, too. It's this <laughs> massive media event, so you've got all these people with all this extra money to burn. And it's, they're not there for the comics. They're there because it's the cool thing to do. They're there because they can dress up and get a bunch of attention or be there for the experience of it all. And it it has become soulless. Well, they and- need to stop. They need to just <laughs> stop. Comic book conventions, <laughs> comic book conventions belong in VFW halls. It has to be a bunch of guys with 
fucking long boxes that are sort of moldy and wet like they've been in a basement <laughs> they, they for a while. They have that brown on the side. Yeah. I know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> and you go in and you haggle prices with them and they're like, well, this book's worth like $100. And you're like, fuck you, dude. I'll give you two bucks for it. Go find five. And there Seattle has to be a minimum a of five ass cracks showing. Minimum oh, at all five time, ass all cracks. And Absolutely. not like and not cosplay asses. Yeah. No, 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 no. Sweaty man asses. <laughs> Damn right. You see that? That's one of the things that we were we were concentrating on when putting this show together. Sweaty I mean, man ass. Sweaty man ass. No, follow me. We had a certain number of tables that we could get into this room, and then whatever that whatever X was when when the 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 demand to be in this room came about, it well surpassed X. So we actually had to look at this list of people saying, "I want to be at the show. I want to be at the show," and go. Are you comic related? No, you're not. You sell jewelry. So I'm sorry. Stuff's pretty and all. But we're trying to keep this true. Keep it a comic show or comic convention. And I had more arguments with thing with, with the guys about what we're letting in and what we're not letting in because it will take anybody's money. It's very I understand how New York got as ridiculous as it has. But the, the essence of the show still has to be an old school comic convention. I want to be able to stand in a you know relatively short line to get a sketch done by a relatively good artist or get a signature from someone that I recognize and and still be able to work the show the rest of the day, not have to spend four, five, six hours in a line to go see a panel for a movie that's coming out in four years. That's not a comic convention. <laughs> yeah, they just announced a community is getting a panel at New York Comic Con. I love community. What the fuck does that have to do with comic books? You didn't know that it's all based in a comic book? Like just because it's nerd cultured and and really I I don't mind there being this massive nerd culture convention. Sure, go nuts, have at it, but don't call it Comic Con. You know, that's not what it is anymore. Turn turn it into something else call it what it is, but calling it a comic convention just yeah, just tarnishes the whole thing. It, the, whole, the whole business makes me uncomfortable. We could have a whole other podcast about that business. <laughs> Evan, I think you're doing a, you're doing us all a great service by by hooking us up with this uh, new comic book convention and, and seeing these smaller cons pop up all over the place is, is it does my heart proud. Um, but that's gonna that's gonna call it a night. You know, I mean, obviously, I'll I'll do my quick plug. Uh, you can find me in the pages of Nintendo Force Magazine. It's a a print magazine that you can order online. Uh, it's not really on newsstands, but it's a thing all about all about everything Nintendo, and it does actually feature Nintendo comics in them. Uh, and some of the back issues have some really cool Mario comics because none of that stuff is really nobody's printing Nintendo based comics right now. So a lot of them are short comics, you know, one pagers, things like that. Uh, but it's really neat for uh, there's a lot of interesting art in in the magazine, which is one of the reasons that I like it so much because it reminds me of some of the cooler days of Nintendo Power when you would see some really just wild and interesting art and comics in there. And part of what makes the magazine great, I write an article called Peripheral Vision where I talk about old uh, Nintendo peripherals and stuff. And uh, the current one, I talk about the Game Boy Player. So yeah, NintendoForce.com. You can check me out there and. For all your other needs, geeklife.com. Check us out, and thank you so much for listening. Have a great night.